Our first scripture reading this morning is from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, which is on page 33 of the New Testament of your Pew Bible. So Mark 1, uh, chapters 9 through 15. Um, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out of the into the drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts. And the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, "This time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news." May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Our second reading today also comes from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 2 to 10, and that is on page 41. So if you just keep turning a few more pages while I turn them all, Matthew, 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 Mark 1, Matthew 4, Mark 5, Mark 5, Mark 9, here we go, Mark, Mark 9, okay. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up the high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could ever bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly... When they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am in the pulpit today because Jonathan is with Danny, and we will hear a little bit more about that later in the service. Um, But I um, thank you all for graciously welcoming me uh, to step in for Jonathan. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, and that as we hear them, may we go out the doors with a renewed second chance from you to live the way you want us to live. Amen. So, 
In Mark, we have the story of Jesus that moves very, very quickly. It lacks all of the details that we may know from other Gospels. There's no birth narrative in Mark. There actually is no Jesus going to the temple, as John said, that was in Matthew. All right, we don't have any of that. Mark is eager to get Jesus on his mission, and the details are not important. We see Jesus getting baptized and then affirmed by God by the opening of the scriptures, opening of the heavens, I mean, and the descent of the Holy Spirit as a dove. And then it's off to the wilderness right away. Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days where he is ministered by angels, visited by wild animals, and of course, Satan's temptation. But again, there are no details that we have in the other Gospels. We move, he's out of the wilderness. Following his baptism and the time in the wilderness, Jesus now understood fully his God-given identity. I rather fancy that Jesus had in those 40 days time to kind of just sit and think and meditate on who he was up until that point, who he was to become, and whose he was. It would seem that his former life, likely that of an apprentice to carpentry, was ending and something new was beginning. And one should not miss the point that Jesus is also repeating, maybe reliving the history of, of the people of Israel, who you may remember wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Israel's time in the wilderness often showed them succumbing to temptations to live differently than God's plan was for them, even at a time wishing to return to slavery. And now, today, as John mentioned, we enter this time of Lent. This is our 40 days in the wilderness, if you will. It is time for us individually to reflect, to think about who we are and whose we are. And of course, the answer to that is that we are God's beloved child who God is well pleased with. John the Baptist called for repentance. Friends, repentance in and of itself Repent does not mean stop sins. It simply means to turn or to have a change of mind and a change of life direction. John was asking then, and now asks us, to turn from the world's ways, to change hearts and lives, and to ask God's forgiveness. Our 40 days in our wilderness of Lent offers us, I think, as it offered, I think, Jesus, time to think, time to meditate. And this reflecting requires alone time. Think of it as your personal trip to the desert or to the wilderness. It can be as Barbara Brown Taylor, one of, one of my favorite theologians, described as a spiritual place rife with spots 
to engage the self-examination and repentance that is commended to the faithful during Lent. In these 40 days, take time to, to stop, to reflect, and maybe change directions. With taking time to sit, to be, and to think, I think you will be in silence. The silence in which perhaps some of your thoughts and feelings that you have tried to outrun or bury have time to catch up with you. How will you tell the difference between the voice of Satan and the voice of the angels? But do it. Take time in these 40 days. Take time to stop, reflect, and maybe change. I think that the key is to listen, to listen deeply. Just stop, pause, and listen for the work of the Holy Spirit working in you now. And this listening takes us to our second gospel. And yes, it is a repeat from last, last week's lectionary passage. This is sometimes what happens when, you know, in a couple of days you're going to preach. Well, I'll pull something out of the file. <laughs> the transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus is transfigured into the image of glowing white. What we have in this passage is what people trained to think like this call a theophany. A theophany is a visible manifestation of appearance of a deity to humanity. In the case of the disciples and us, God. Jesus took three of his closest disciples up the mountain, and there Peter, James, and John saw a vision from God. Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, the prophet, all standing with Jesus. Many traditional approaches to this story focus on the change in Jesus. His change was not only his clothing, but his whole appearance. The healings and the other miracles continue throughout Mark, but after this event, Mark's author leans heavily on forecasting the future of Jesus, and the disciples struggled for that meaning. Also, the hearer and reader of the gospel cannot miss that Jesus appears with Moses and Elijah, both who were ascended directly to heaven following their death, just as Jesus will be raised and vindicated by God. Having these two with Jesus shows that Jesus' life and ministry is on par with Moses and Elijah. It's holding fast to the Jewish traditions that people knew at that time and that we know should know today. But is Jesus the only one transfigured in this event? Earlier in Mark, when Jesus was baptized, we read that the voice came from heaven and identified Jesus as the Son of God. But it was only for Jesus. You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. Nobody else heard it to our knowledge. Peter, James, and were not even John, were not even there yet. So now this passage is repeated for them from God. 
some theologians have pointed out that this event was actually for the disciples. They are the ones addressed. Go back to the scripture. That passage was filled with before them, appeared to them, overshadows them, addressed them. The theophany happened. A vision from God was sent to them. And Peter. No, oh, Peter, 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 Peter. Now the scripture tells us that the three were filled with fear. They really didn't know what to make of this situation. And Peter was his usual self, his usual enthusiastic babbling self, trying to be useful. He suggests building a tent for the three. Yes, he wants to do something. Peter is an impulsive doer. He is a man of action. He sees something and he must there must be something I can do. Now actually, Peter's response seems somewhat reasonable to me. <laughs> a theophany like this is something to remember, to honor, and to be marked. But how? Peter wants to do something. And I sort of get that. <laughs> I sort of get that. I confess, my brothers and sisters, that I am a doer. Now, I am not in any way equating myself to Peter, please understand that, but like him, I am a doer. I like to do things. If anyone is struggling or hurting in any kind of a situation, I feel that I need to do something to be of assistance in a tangible way. But for Peter and the others, God's plan was different. It didn't involve doing. In this important moment, a time in the lives of the disciples where they had been denying Jesus' statements about Jesus' own future, not wanting to believe his statements, God makes an appearance to the disciples. He gets their apprehension, and he tells them what to do. God said, listen to him. Stop for a moment here. Just listen to what the Son is telling you. Hear the message. Hear the plan. Just listen. And just maybe that's the plan for us as well. I said that I am a doer, and I admit that. And I, too, need to remember to listen. I was ordained years ago in this sanctuary. A number of you were here when that happened. As a part of the section of the service for the ordination of ministers in the Presbyterian Church, there's the section called the charge to the one ordained. I picked one of my mentors to call my charge. And Kurt knew me well. He charged me in my ministry to always listen to not be too quick to do, but to listen first. Then after my ordination, about a week later, I received a gift from a classmate from seminary. She had been at my ordination, and she had listened to Kurt and made me a little plaque that still sits on my desk. I see it every day because it is right under my computer monitor. It does have music on it. Okay, so it's got a, yeah, that's good. I, him, you know, I like that. But in big letters, it says, be always listening. 
that was valuable advice to the disciples and it was valuable advice to me. The disciples were in a better position to serve as disciples of Jesus Christ now that they were stopping to listen to him, to hear his message, to ask questions, and to hear God's message through him. And I have come to learn that I too need to listen more and do less. So often people need to be heard. They do not need or want me to fix anything. They really just need to be heard, to voice where they are and to voice what is going on. They need to know someone is there for them, not necessarily doing anything, but there for them. And that is doing something, friends, to be there, to hear them, to see them, to value them. And if they need some physical help, that can come later. But first, we have to let people know we are listening to them. We need to be in their presence. The disciples learned that by listening to Jesus, we walk with and serve Jesus. They were prepared to carry on the news after the resurrection. Jesus' mission was to invite his followers to find their voice in bearing witness to the transforming work of God. And what about you? Are you a doer like Peter and I? Do you frequently see something or someone and then decide you have to do something or help to fix it? I want to be clear. Indeed, there are times when a situation does call for an immediate emergency intervention, and by all means, you need to do that. But is that always the case? Are there times when you simply just need to stop and listen, to take it in, and to pray with them, or even on your own about it? It is then that you will really see what is in the moment you will hear what needs to be heard. Do you really need to take a picture of all your children opening Christmas presents? Or do you need to take a picture of everybody around the table? Or do you need to be there with them as they open the presents? And be them with them around the table, listening and seeing them. Later then, maybe you will be given something to do but listen in the moment, take it in. You and I are modern day disciples of Jesus Christ. We are children of God. We are beloved children of God. When and how often do you and I pause to just be and to listen for the message of God to us? That's what your 40 days of Lent can be. In these 40 days of Lent, I hope that you and I will take the time to stop, to pause, and to listen deeply for what in our life can turn to, to better serve our God, who still calls us a beloved child. Jesus was transfigured that day for sure, but also the disciples were transfigured they heard the voice of God calling to them and telling them what to do, to transfigure them, to change their path. What can you see when you allow God 
to transfigure each one of us and our perspective. Friends, stop and listen to God. And all God's children sing, Amen, Amen. And so now please join me as we say something of what we as children, beloved children of God, believe. Please join me in the Apostles', the Apostles Creed. Please stand as you are able. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>